Hey, everybody. This is Paige LeBlue with 90.9 The Lion and our Fight Like a Lion podcast. This is a podcast that's developed to empower um, really our athletic community at Lion Nation and all of those in the listening area. So we want to empower everyone so that they can perform at the best of their ability in competition, in the classroom, and in the community. I am so excited today. Um, we have a couple of members of our Lions soccer team, Miss Hallie Rowe and Miss Sam. Tell me your last name, Sam. I forgot. Ostrowski. Ostrowski. And my really good friend, Leslie Ballard, is here with us. Leslie is just one of the best ever dietitians, nutrition specialists you ever wanted to meet. And we are blessed here at Southeastern and our athletic department to have her to work with our student athletes. She's also an employee of North Oaks Medical System. So Leslie, thank you for being here. Thank you, Paige. Yeah, really everybody very excited. Today we're going to talk about a super important um, topic, sleep. And that might sound really funny, like, oh, why are we talking to a dietitian? And athlete, don't athletes sleep great because they work so hard, they exercise so much. And what I have found <laughs> as a counselor is no, not necessarily. And that used to perplex me. I'm like, why? Because they should be getting really great sleep. And so we're going to have some answers for you guys today as to maybe why people who even exercise a lot, like people who play soccer and run a lot, <laughs> like, right, they should be getting great, great sleep, but maybe not because there could be other factors that could come in that could really interrupt your sleep. And so Leslie's going to talk to us about the importance of nutrition and how that plays a big role in just really the quality of our sleep. And we're going to talk about some other things as well. Great. Well, I think first, before we even jump into the nutrition behind sleep, we need to talk about why does sleep matter for athletes? Um, I think that there are three major pillars that are going to predict your athletic performance. Obviously, how hard you train and how much you train, which our athletes have no problem with that. (laughs) But the other two pillars are proper nutrition and quality sleep. So if you're performing and you're training really hard, but you're at a deficit with your sleep or your nutrition, then you're at a deficit with your ability to excel at your sport. And so besides getting all of that hard training in, we really need to focus on our nutrition, which I'm sure we'll dive into that another day, another time, (laughs) and absolutely talk about sleep and why we need to do that. How are we going to get better sleep? Because I know as college athletes, Time is a problem sometimes because of your schoolwork. Maybe you're also working and you're training. So we have some struggles with our time. So how do we maximize your time to get the best sleep possible? And then why should you actually focus on that? Put away the phone, stop the mindless scrolling, and shut everything down to get to get good sleep. So, you know, why does it matter? Why do why is that one of our three pillars? Well, Firstly, when you sleep, you're allowing your heart to rest. You're allowing your cells and your tissues to repair. Um, A process happens in your sleep that activates what's called your lymphatic system, which is actually a little clean-out system of your brain. And when that happens, you store memories, and it improves your cognitive function. So for you ladies, as soccer athletes, when you're on the field, you got to make quick decisions, right? Your Mm -hmm. cognitive function needs to be fast. Like, am I going to take... Am I going to pass the ball? Am I going to take it to the net? What am I going to do? So that cognitive function, that high-level quick thinking, is actually impaired with not enough quality and long duration of sleep. 
um, Stanford actually did some studies on college athletes, and I thought that the outcomes were really, really interesting. So they took some varsity tennis players, male and female, and they increased their sleep by an additional nine hours a week. So just nine extra hours a week of sleep. And they saw major increases in performance. The accuracy of the players' serves was increased significantly from 36% accuracy to 42% accuracy. They also did a similar study with the men's basketball team where they extended their sleep to 10 hours a night. And their shooting skills improved by 9% in free throws and three-point shots. So just by adding in that extra sleep, we saw improved athletic performance. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes our athletes forget that. You know, we we get so caught up, especially in college life, you get so caught up in, okay, i got to make it to practice. I've got to do this. I've got to do my schoolwork that sleep can maybe be neglected. Mm -hmm. But you can't have that deficit if you want to excel in your sport. So that's one of, you know, some of the major reasons that we look at sleep. Some other problems we see – really uh, increased risk for injury. You might have a weakened immune system. When you're asleep, your body makes this hormone called cytokines, and they actually boost your immune system so that you don't catch every cold and flu and little illness that goes around. That's something that only happens when you're getting good sleep. So we're actually, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about proper nutrition and how nutrition plays a role in sleep, but I really wanted to focus on the why first so that everybody doesn't kind of ignore it and go, oh, I'll sleep when I'm older, right? (laughs) (laughs) And it does become more important the older you get. But especially right now, while you're an athlete, if you want that cognitive function, if you want to make quick decisions on the field or on the court, you've got to have good sleep in order to make that happen. Yeah, and I think we had um, kind of talked just a little bit last week about just recognizing, too, that human growth hormone is really important and mm-hmm. is produced in that first deep cycle of sleep. And we actually cycle through sleep. Sleep's much more complicated mm-hmm. than one would think, right? You just mm-hmm. think, oh, well, you know, your head hits the pillow and you're out and mm-hmm. it's all good. But it's really kind of fascinating and complicated. Absolutely. Um, but important. Sam, I'm looking straight across at you and I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, I know Hallie asked you to come and participate today. Have you ever struggled with getting good sleep? Yes, I do all the time. Okay. (laughs) That's why I started drinking the tart cherry juice because Mm -hmm. I'll be tired all day and then night will hit and like, I don't know if it's a psychological thing and then you just get like a burst of energy. And I know for us, we'll like hang out with our friends kind of lay and then we like, we say this thing, memories over sleep, because, like, our days are so busy, and, mm-hmm. but we still want to, like, get, like, social time in. Mm-hmm. So then that's something that I think we struggle with. <laughs> What's so funny to me, it just made me think, is that you're not going to store those memories. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sleep, right? Your lymphatic yeah. system's yeah. not getting activated. Yeah. You can't store those great memories. That's such a funny saying that yeah. you have. <laughs> Yeah, so you mentioned the tart cherry juice. Yeah, I love tart cherry juice. One of the benefits of that or, or the mechanism behind why it works. So tart cherries are naturally super high in melatonin, and melatonin mm-hmm. is that um, that part of, of what helps you go to sleep, right? Um, what's really interesting, though, is that tart cherry juice is also super high in tryptophan. Tryptophan is an amino acid, and it's the precursor that your body needs to make its own melatonin. Mm-hmm. So when you drink the tart cherry juice, not only does it give you an immediate dose of melatonin to put you to sleep, but it gives you the tryptophan that your body needs to then make its own melatonin throughout the night to stay asleep. So a lot of times we'll see people wake up at like that 3 a.m. panic, right? You wake up at 3 a.m. and your mind starts racing and I can't go back to sleep and now I'm up. 
hopefully with having the, that dose of tryptophan and the tart cherry juice, your body is making its own melatonin mm-hmm. throughout the night to keep you asleep until you're supposed to wake up naturally with a little burst of cortisol to help you wake up in the morning. Interesting. I love that. I never knew that. I mean, I knew about, okay, it's going to help you fall asleep, Mm -hmm. but I didn't realize there was that little backup tryptophan to help you stay asleep. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget that our nutrition is building blocks for your body to do the things that it's meant to do, right? Like our bodies know that they need to go to sleep. We know that. So then why are we having trouble sleeping? Why are we having trouble staying asleep? Because you're not giving the body the building blocks, the tools, the mechanisms that it needs Mm -hmm. to actually make those processes happen. And so if we're neglectful of our nutrition, like tryptophan, I said it's an amino acid. So what should you be eating to get amino acids? Anybody? Um, I think turkey when you say tryptophan. We think of turkey, right? Everybody thinks of turkey at Thanksgiving. It has tryptophan and you want to fall asleep after the meal. It's your protein foods. Amino acids are found in proteins. And so if you're not consuming enough protein foods, Mm -hmm. then maybe you're not getting enough of that tryptophan for your body to actually make its own melatonin to sleep really, really well throughout the night. Um, Or, you know, I know a lot of athletes do try and get enough protein, but if you're not eating enough calories, then your body uses the protein you ate just for energy instead yeah. of having all those pieces of the puzzle for the rest of the actions that, that you need to perform. Mm-hmm. Wow. So can you give us some examples of some good proteins? And then you touched on a, on a subject that can be, um, I think, kind of difficult for a lot of athletes because it's getting in enough calories mm-hmm. because they burn so many mm-hmm. calories. And so it's like knowing, am I in a deficit or am I getting mm-hmm. what I need? Absolutely. So good proteins. Well, of course, all of your your meats and eggs. So any kind of chicken, fish, turkey, um, beef, pork, those are obviously animal-based protein foods. Those are all high tryptophan. Um, You can have plant-based proteins like beans and lentils and legumes. Um, You can do protein shakes. Um, We really like to see athletes do whey protein as often as possible because it's the most bioavailable and highly absorbable protein option. Um, But if anyone is, you know, following a vegetarian or vegan diet and they don't want to use a milk derivative, then you can use a plant-based protein like a soy protein um, as an option as well. So those are all great protein foods. You also get plenty of protein in your nuts and seeds too. Mm -hmm. So if you're eating like walnuts and things like that, you're getting protein. Um, so those are some quality protein foods, but like I said, none of that matters if you don't get enough calories in your day. So calories are your energy source, primarily calories that come from carbohydrate foods, which are all of your bread, rice, pasta, potatoes, cereals, things like that. Those are your first source of energy. So those are the main calorie like loads that you need when you guys are running and doing all of the training and lifting and weightlifting, everything that you do during the week you're using mostly carbohydrates and just calories from those carbohydrates to have that energy. If you're under eating, if you're not consuming enough calories, if you're not consuming enough calories from carbohydrates, then your body is going to take it from the protein you eat. So I see athletes a lot of time be like, oh, I'm going to get my protein shake after my workout. I'm going to get my protein shake before my workout. They're protein, protein, protein all the time. Awesome. But if you don't have enough carbohydrate, that protein doesn't go to muscle for repair and rebuild and recovery. It just gets used for energy. So we've got to eat enough calories and carbohydrates for the protein to do its job of muscle growth and rebuild. 
That's, I'm looking at soccer players. So these guys are out there mm-hmm. running and having their practice at the crack. I mean, sun. the sun is coming up mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. So that could be challenging. Is there like a certain time when they need to get that in or just at some point during their day? Um, well, I, you know, everyone's schedule is going to be different. There's not really a perfect time to okay. eat. You want to be, you just want to have it consistently throughout the day. One of the things that I don't like to see people do is just cram it all in at night. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to kind of have but even spread, especially of your protein foods, but you you really want to spread things evenly throughout the day. So if you do have a crack of dawn workout, like you got to get up in six and be on the field, you're probably not going to eat, you know, eggs and bagels mm-hmm. and all of that in the morning. Totally yeah. fine. That's absolutely understandable. So you need to kind of preload the night before. So you store carbohydrate in the form of glycogen in your muscles and in your liver. So if we can preload a little bit the night before, maybe you have a pasta dinner with potatoes, maybe you have a protein source like your baked chicken or meatballs or something, and then always have to put something colorful in the plate for our antioxidants because that helps reduce inflammation from the workout. So if you kind of preload a little bit the night before, then that glycogen is stored up in the muscle for your workout in the morning. And then it's your job as soon as that workout is over to replenish the glycogen that you just burned through in the muscle. Glycogen is coming from carbohydrates. So while we want you to hit a protein after your workout, because you want the protein there for the amino acids to rebuild and recover the muscle, your body won't use it if you don't partner it with a carbohydrate. So if I'm gonna drink a protein drink, like I'm gonna put that scoop away powder and I'm gonna drink it with my milk or whatever, I need to also have a carbohydrate source. So what do y'all think that that could be? Banana. A banana, that's everybody's favorite, right? That's like the easiest thing in the world is just to grab a protein shake and a banana. Um, You could do like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You could grab, um, you know, probably we need more calories than just a banana and a protein shake after a hard training. So maybe you do a bagel with peanut butter and honey on it and your protein shake. Um, and a banana or an apple. Mm-hmm. So there's always you, there's always room to add a little bit more nutritious food to your, your diet. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, and, all right, Leslie, when I look at you, one of the terms that you used um, in, a, in a recent training that we did together was a naked carb. Mm. And that has stuck in my brain, <laughs> a naked carb. So tell us the difference between a naked carb and, a, and one that's, I, I guess, clothed, clothed. or covered. Yeah. <laughs> so when we think about carbohydrates and how quickly they digest and break down and do what they need to do in your body, if you eat a carbohydrate source like a banana by itself, we call that a naked carb because you're not eating it with anything else that is going to digest super super quickly and the um the blood the sugar will hit your bloodstream really really quickly and then leave the bloodstream really really quickly so when you were going to eat a banana by itself you're going to get super fast energy but you're going to also crash really quickly if we can partner it with a protein a fat or fiber then you've clothed your car (laughs) basically and it slows down that that um that blood sugar spike so that you don't have a drop So we like to see you always, you know, put clothes on your carbs. Like if you're going to eat a banana, partner it up with a protein shake or some peanut butter. Or if you're going to have a potato, let's have a piece of chicken breast to go with it and some fiber-based vegetables like broccoli to go with it. Um, It's fine to have naked carbs as like a halftime snack if you need quick, quick fuel, right? Mm -hmm. Like you might eat those like a little Welch's fruit snacks or Mm -hmm. some like orange slices or something. (laughs) Totally fine if you're mid-practice, mid-game, mid-match, and you need that fast, fast energy, you want the carbohydrate to digest really quickly and hit the bloodstream and hit the muscle fast. So it's fine in those situations, but the rest of the day, 
put something with them. So anytime you have a carb, eat a protein with it. So what would that be like? Let's say um, a bowl of cereal. Is a bowl of cereal an acre carb? It yes. Absolutely yeah. is. It absolutely is. And everybody is so guilty of just like eating cereal for dinner, right? Or like before you go to bed and there's nothing there to slow down the digestion of that carb, to slow the blood sugar spike and fall. You really got to put something with it. So cereal might not be our best option. Um, you know, maybe we do a protein bar that's got a combination of protein and carbs in it. Um, maybe you do a Greek yogurt and put some fruit with it. Like those would just be better combinations of protein and carbohydrate together. Talk to us a little bit about how if you have that like kind of high carb, naked carb <laughs> before you go to bed, how that might impact your sleep negatively. Okay, so that's a really good question. Anytime we have rises and falls in our blood sugar, it's going to disrupt your sleep a little bit. You really want to be nice and balanced as the night goes on. Um, You're going to have a couple of rises and falls throughout the night anyway because you're making a hormone called cortisol. Cortisol is your fight or flight hormone and it's your stress hormone. Cortisol should be lowest at night when you're winding down to go to sleep and highest in the morning when it's time to wake up. When cortisol rises, it stimulates your liver to put sugar out into the bloodstream because what's supposed to happen is it's a stress hormone. So as it rises, it's like fight this thing that's stressing you out, run away from this thing that's stressing you out. So you need some sugar to the muscle to be able to run or fight. So as cortisol is rising in the morning, your blood sugar actually will start to rise a little bit as well. If you are super, super stressed as you're going to sleep, then your cortisol might be high and your blood sugar might be high. Let's say you eat a bowl of cereal before you go to bed, plus you've got some high cortisol and some stress, you're gonna have higher blood sugar throughout the night. When that starts to crash, you're gonna feel it and your your body's naturally gonna wake you up because you had a blood sugar crash and it's Mm -hmm. saying, hey, danger, alert, alert, wake up. So we really want to have something super balanced before bed so that you've got a nice even level of sleep so that our cortisol is low at night. The other reason that needs to happen is because cortisol and melatonin work opposite actions of each other. Melatonin can't be high if cortisol is high. Melatonin can only rise as cortisol lowers. Mm -hmm. So if you need melatonin to be high to sleep, cortisol better be low. Um, So what do you need to do? You need to eat a nice protein-based snack that's got a little bit of carbohydrate in it. That's why like the Greek yogurt with some berries is such a great option. A protein bar that's got both protein and carbohydrate is such a great option. Have a protein plus carbohydrate-based snack so that you stay nice and even. Um, and then we need to do some stress uh, modulations. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that is exactly where my brain was going. So really also being mindful about what am I doing as I'm preparing really like mm-hmm. a, a, an hour or so before I really want to go to sleep. Um, not a good time to watch that super scary movie, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, or anything that really kind of just gets us revved up or... Um, for me, it's the mindless scrolling of TikTok. I feel like I totally lose track of time and my everything is just sort of wired from that like dopamine hit you're getting from scrolling. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's like hitting the slot machine or whatever, you know. Um, really, in the brain, it really is, uh, which is so crazy. And it's the blue light thing, mm-hmm. too. So when we talk about preparing for bed, it's really like low lighting, um, just those things, you know, where what's quiet. We know that the body and the brain like quiet and dark. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of white noise. Does anybody have a favorite? Any of you guys sleep with a machine? I love, <coughs> love, love my sound um, machine, and I love my Himalayan lamp. Um, the salt so, lamp. The salt lamp. Yes. yes. <laughs> because then you don't have, you know, bright that light. bright light. Yeah. It sort of starts to dim, and you can you can start to prepare yourself for like let's lower the cortisol, let's start to make the melatonin, um, yeah. and trying to get into that deep sleep. Yeah, and I, I know I talk to my folks about um, bookending their day with gratitude. So really just like focusing your mind on something positive, um, whether that's reading something or just thinking about something, maybe meditation, prayer, but focusing on maybe things that you're grateful for and just really kind of trying to create that cocoon, like safe, nurturing kind of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, things to avoid would be like television. <coughs> The television on, anything with light. I'm kind of, you might think I'm psycho. So if you came into my room, like where the internet comes in and there's like a light, there's some lights on the little tower. I have to cover that up with something. You know, no, I don't want any kind of light coming in because it really bothers me. Um, So, yeah, just being mindful of those kinds of things. What's your sleep hygiene? Um, Also, and I know sometimes you guys have roommates that, you know, agreeing about when it's going to be lights out. I know that can be sometimes hard, um, but really coming to some kind of agreement there. Anybody here sleep with a pet? Yes. I have my dog, and I would say he is by far the biggest disruptor of my sleep. <laughs> He's small, and so he thinks he needs to lay on me right and so absolutely but he's been he's been the baby in the bed for 12 years so I don't think that that's changing anytime soon well I I confess same yeah (laughs) and it's the same and it's not really that he really does anything except what you're talking about has to be right up against me and so then it's like my feet can't move Mm -hmm. just like and so I find myself in the middle of the bed before the night is over but just be mindful about those kinds of things Mm -hmm. things that you could you know it's a choice right mm-hmm. if it's more nurturing to have your puppy in the bed then okay fine as long as he's not keeping you up all night right? he's keeping me up all night because now he's old and he can't hold it oh. either throughout oh. the night we have to get up and go to the potty in the middle of the night it's a whole thing oh my goodness it's a whole thing um let's talk a little bit more about some possibly some supplements that we might use to yeah, help us sleep great how do great. we feel about that um So not usually a huge proponent of supplements in the diet because you remember food first and then supplements are to supplement what you are eating, right? And I think sometimes we're like, oh, I can't eat the cherries and the protein and the stuff. Just give me a melatonin pill. I don't love to see everyone taking melatonin at night. There are some other things that I'd rather you try first, Um, the main one being magnesium. Uh, particularly magnesium glycinate for sleep. So there's lots of different forms of magnesium, um, but particularly the form that helps you get good quality sleep is mag glycinate. It is your calming mineral, your anti-anxiety mineral. It helps you rest and relax. Um, So a magnesium glycinate is absolutely recommended. typical amount that we look for is at least 250 milligrams up to 500 milligrams daily depending on 
um, your particular needs, but we do love magnesium glycinate. <coughs> you can get it in several different forms. One can be actually as like a capsule as a supplement or, you know, I know people like gummies and things like that. You can get it that way. Um, another option because magnesium absorbs really well through your skin is a lotion or a spray. So especially if you find that you have like restless leg at night or maybe you're getting like leg cramps or just like your legs are kind of achy from the day from your training, um, you can get a magnesium glycinate or a magnesium oxide either or um, spray or lotion that you rub on your legs and feet at night before you go to bed. And I'm telling you, when you will feel it <laughs> when it absorbs through the skin and kind of hits the bloodstream. You will feel this just... <sighs> <laughs> um, and it's such a great feeling. So I um, I love that, especially for my athletes that maybe are having trouble falling asleep or not getting great quality sleep, or maybe they're having some like Charlie horses or muscle cramps at night. We might look at, at rubbing like a lotion or a spray on the legs and feet at night before bed for the magnesium. I love that. Is that the same type of magnesium that's in Epsom salt? Yes. Okay, cool. It is. Yes, that's why Epsom salt is so great. If you take an Epsom salt bath, that is so helpful. Um, So even maybe do both, right? Like soak in the bath. What a wonderful way to like wind down your night. Soak in the Epsom salt bath. Do a little magnesium lotion on your legs. Turn out the lights. Make the room cold. Do all the other things you need to do and and see if you can get some quality sleep. That sounds awesome. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another option that we really like is called GABA. GABA is a neurotransmitter, um, and you can see that a lot of times partnered up with some magnesium supplements. Um, GABA is another thing that just kind of helps calm the brain. So if you're like, I'm laying in bed at night, but my brain just won't stop. It just will not stop going because I'm thinking about this test and this and this and this. Um, GABA can kind of help calm that down. So if you're looking for a great sleep supplement, we like um, magnesium glycinate. You can partner it up with GABA. Um, as always, look for supplements that are third-party tested. We don't want to just take anything off the shelf. It needs to say on the label, third-party tested. Even better for athletes would say something like NSF certified for sports, which that way you know that it's third-party tested and there's nothing in that supplement that you shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, supplements are not regulated by the <coughs> FDA. There is nobody really watching to see what's in it. So if you get something that is NSF for sport or third-party tested, at least you know that someone besides the supplement company took that supplement, tested Mm -hmm. it to make sure that what's in it is what they say is in it and that there's nothing additional that shouldn't be there. Um, so, you know, anytime you're looking at supplements, do do be aware of that. There's even an app. There's a free app you can put on your phone. It's called NSF for Sport. You scan the barcode of the supplement and it will tell you if it's safe or if it's not safe. I think that's super important for athletes, especially when we look at drug testing, what's allowed, mm-hmm. what's not allowed. You know, we kind of had talked earlier about um, adaptogens mm-hmm. and because that's really popular. People talk a lot about <laughs> um, those as well, especially ashwagandha. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe speak? Um, as to, you know, your ideas about sure. that? Sure. I, you know, adaptogens are, are herbs and mushrooms that literally help your body adapt to stress, right? So if your cortisol is high, it helps to break it down. If it's low, it helps to bring it up. They help you adapt. And that sounds so wonderful, right? But they are not regulated 
at all. So, you know, if you just order an adaptogen, like if you order ashwagandha, which is such a beneficial, powerful <coughs> herb, but if you order it, you don't necessarily know what you're getting. And for a collegiate athlete, you've got to be so careful about what you put in your body and what might trigger on a drug test. And unfortunately, those are just not regulated. So it's not really usually something I recommend for my athletes. Now, my, you know, my other patients and clients outside of sports, you know, my, my ladies going through menopause. Yes, we we get some adaptogens. We get rhodiola, we get ashwagandha, we get um, red ginseng, we get all the things. Um, but my athletes, I hesitate a little bit. I, I do think that there's a time and a place for them. I do think they can be very beneficial but I think you can do it without it if you just try you know to get enough calories in the day get enough protein get enough carbohydrates take a quality b vitamin you know make sure you're getting all of your b vitamins that help your body make melatonin get all your amino acids that help your body make melatonin I think you can do it in other ways without without the adaptogens great great yeah and I think you know there's sometimes we can just it's almost like a psychological addiction and mm-hmm. that people think I need this particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we can't, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about alcohol because, or other drugs. Sometimes people mm-hmm. think they need alcohol, marijuana. I have to have it to sleep. And I think there's so much of that that is actually psychological. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should touch on that before we end as well. Sure. The the research suggests that alcohol actually disrupts your sleep. Um, it makes you sleep far worse than if you had not had any alcohol. And off the top of my head, I can't tell you what that mechanism of action is. Um, but it definitely the research all points towards alcohol equals poor sleep. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a no-brainer that it might make you pass out or fall asleep, but you're not going to stay asleep and you're not going to get into the right REM cycles. Um, and then... Uh, the marijuana I'll let you touch on. (laughs) (laughs) She just passed the ball to me. That one right over (laughs) to you. She's not touching it. I mean, I think we're, you know, we're talking to to our student athletes Mm -hmm. and, you know, speaking of drug testing and Mm -hmm. not even looking at what NCAA may say about use of THC or marijuana, but, you know, what does your coach say? Because that's something that is not only going to be regulated by the university here at Southeastern as a whole, but also a coach-to-coach basis. You know, they always have the right to say this is okay, this is not okay. And then NCAA, and that's a little gray area with them, because it's such a minimal like threshold that they may say, oh, we'll let that go. But I think that's just super, super hard. So if you're, th- to me, as a therapist, if you are thinking that you need something like, um, especially a drug to sleep, then I think we need to talk, mm-hmm. right? Because there's more going on. And I don't want to be dependent on anything, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're young and you're really trying to perform at the best of your ability, let's talk about what else is going on that might be keeping you from sleeping. Mm-hmm. I think that's a yeah. great point. Absolutely. Um, be cautious about it. Be cautious about it. Yeah. I'd love to hear from our, our athletes about, you know, if you guys have sleep struggles or if there's people in your team that, you know, have street, like, is there anything that everyone talks about? <laughs> Uh, I definitely have some yeah. struggles. Yeah. I feel like a lot of our team probably does, but I'm also like, I love nighttime and I'm a big night owl. Mm. So I feel like I just like come alive when it gets late. Like I feel like I can just be a lot more productive and get mm-hmm. things done. So that, and then we also get up really early, like we were talking about. So that 
really doesn't go well together. And then it just, yeah. and then I'm tired all day. Like I think Sam was mentioning, mm-hmm. I'm tired all day, but then nighttime hits and I'm like, what can I do right now? Mm-hmm. Like, what can I get done? Like, there's just so much like going on in my brain. That, and then I try to lay down, mm-hmm. even if I try to lay down like relatively early, like 10 o'clock or something, <laughs> I'll like lay there wide awake for hours. Yeah. Like, it's just such a struggle for me. I yeah, think for I, you too. Yeah, I agree. We're same. very much on the same page yeah. with that. Yeah. So your circadian rhythms are off, right? Yeah. So we as humans are supposed to work with the earth, right? And we wake when the sun rises and we go down when the sun sets and we eat when the sun is up and we stop eating when the sun mm-hmm. is set. And I think uh, we can disrupt those cycles so much. Mm-hmm. But the way that our body functions, the way that we make hormones, the way that we make neurotransmitters, the way that all of that works actually works with the sun and on a circadian Mm -hmm. pattern. So if you are a night owl, you're kind of like mixed up, right? (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with that, but it, it is something to kind of think about and like how can I because you do have to wake up early for training, right? It's not mm-hmm. that you're it's that you, choice. you yeah, have right. no choice. <laughs> choice. So you're getting up early. You want direct sunlight to your eyes as soon as the sun comes up because that's going to help stimulate the cortisol to wake your body up and get you going. And then you're just going to have to do a little bit of work in the evenings mm-hmm. if you are able to mm-hmm. say like all of these things on my to-do list can wait until tomorrow or I can be more productive during daytime hours and just, just try and shut it down mm-hmm. if you can yeah well hearing a lot of things you're talking about I I didn't realize but it's interesting (coughs) that there's so many things like personally you can do even just like throughout the entirety of the day just like maybe like like you were talking about adding in like extra like I'm terrible about getting in all like the nutrients I need and stuff especially just like with classes Mm -hmm. and practice and then I work as well so it's like constantly busy when am I gonna find the time to properly eat or properly like get all my work to like it's it's a struggle for me (laughs) that's no you're absolutely right and it does take some planning you know that's Mm -hmm. why I always tell the athletes like come beat with me sit down I'll plan it out for you like let me help you with that planning piece but yeah you want to try and spread your calories spread your carbs spread your protein out evenly throughout the day so that you're you know you don't want to cram in a lot of food right at bedtime Mm -hmm. because then your body is at work it has to digest Mm -hmm. tons of energy is put into digestion and so when you're supposed to be at rest and Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be in recovery and relaxation mode you're in work mode interesting yeah Yeah. so if you're eating and you're eating right up to the moment you go to bed you're really not letting your body get into that full good rest and digest phase you're you're at work so you know trying to shift things up you're waking up super early anyway right (laughs) Right, (laughs) try and shift things up in your day and and work a little bit better with the sunlight Mm -hmm. i think that's an intentional behavioral Mm -hmm. kind of thing and even you guys talked about oh but we want to socialize late but it's like finding maybe time to just push it and try tweaking it by an hour or two you know just Mm -hmm. pushing it a little bit and I think you would probably find that helpful and you know like especially as season comes around you might even adjust that even more Mm -hmm. um, just so that you're getting to you know really the best (laughs) out of your brain and body that you can because it can make a difference like when you were looking at those statistics Mm -hmm. and that research you know wow looking at your my basketball season is in right now looking at your three-point and your free throw shots like right. that's wow that like let's get some yeah. sleep and yeah. who do you know that gets nine hours of sleep a night I mean mm. nobody right <laughs> but if you knew it can improve your critical thinking skills mm. how quickly you think on your feet if it can improve your accuracy right 
Like that is definitely something to experiment with. Yeah. It yeah. is something to It makes me like want to try all yeah. these yeah. things. Yeah, you want to try it out and yeah. see how, how much that could really benefit you. Yeah. What is your opinion on napping? That's a great <laughs> question. I think that a nap it can be really, really beneficial, especially mm-hmm. if you are someone who is chronically sleep deprived, right? If you're, if you think about like your sleep, like a bank account, right? And you're supposed to get nine hours a night and you're chronically overdrawn in your account, right? Because you're always like five or six hours. Where can I deposit a little bit? You know, like where can I put a little bit of a deposit to this account? A nap can really be great. Um, as the research suggests, about 20 to 30 minutes, not, you know, two hours. So it just kind of depends. And if you take a two-hour nap, then at 10 o'clock when you're supposed to go to sleep at the night, you're going to be wide awake. <laughs> so it, it, there's a time and a place for it. And I think if you know you're having a crazy week and you, there's things going on that you're not going to get to be able to get in bed at 9 p.m. or 10 p.m., but you've got time for a 20-minute nap, yeah, mm-hmm. grab it. Like, you know, let's make those deposits to that sleep <laughs> account where you can. Um, but ultimately, if you can get the quality somewhere between seven and nine hours a night is like the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So, guys, I'm, this conversation has been so great. Um, I think we could just keep on going. Um, and we'll definitely have to have you back, Leslie. I would love to. Um, so fun. So thank you all so much for being here and being a part of Fight Like a Lion. And we'll see you guys another time soon.